I don't know if this is answering your question. Maybe I just really wanted to say the stupid Eminem story. Welcome and thank you for listening to Almost Almost Famous, the podcast where actors, writers, comedians talk about the ups and downs, ebbs and flows of working towards making this crazy biz and how they're almost almost famous. I'm your host, Daniel Acker. Today's guest is starred in Veep, Mike Tyson's Mysteries, and has written for Rick and Morty and Tuca and Birdie. It is the hilarious Anne Lane. What's up? Hello. <laughs> Woo, getting into it. And we've known each other for a bit. I just, <sighs> I don't know your personal journey into kind of like acting and writing and comedy like was that like you were a kid and it was like you're gonna be doing comedy yeah I it was never like I'm gonna do comedy that was always like the like oh that's the niche I seem to have the most success at when I was like um I tried every sport and every uh discipline and was like okay cool being in school plays is fun and then there was a school play when I was in New Zealand that like the teacher would write every two years like kind of like a sketch show for the kids like and it was called like channel one news network and it was like a like a pop culture roast kind of like um the like what is the uh David Ted's uh the halloween thing oh um, my bill and Universal. ted's halloween oh. bill and ted's yeah like it was like that but for like an elementary school like and uh i got a speaking part and it was very exciting and my friend izzy got a speaking part but then she got sick and i had to do her speaking part like the night of and i was like fuck yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> not like because i got more time but just because i was like if i do bad at this everyone knows i'm just doing it right now to like prop up the show so it was weirdly freeing and I feel like that's where I started liking like improv and sketch where it was just like all right just commit whatever (laughs) right oh that's interesting yeah I have I had the kind of the same effect where some people and we know them that when they do improv they like freeze up freaks them out like what if I mess up and then there's Uh other people like you and I are like if I mess up and someone cares about that that's more on them like I'm (laughs) I'm literally making it up right now I'm just a I'm glad I'm somewhat successful at it like right I I feel like we both had a similar thing of just like this is ridiculous (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) like hey you get up here whatever (laughs) yeah you want to say something go for it yeah (laughs) so that ultimately led you to UCB and the groundlings and you're someone who kind of excelled at both is there any style of the improv that you kind of gravitate more towards or prefer I don't know I feel like they both get to the same thing eventually of just like people who are really I really like like working on a like a herald team and having like the focus of like a structure and like the game and stuff and like coming up with like a show that couldn't have been made without with like different minds you know at a different time just like oh yeah this is like good but that's like so rare but like that feeling when it happens is so satisfying and then at groundlings i love like yeah performing with someone who's like super committed and like yeah there might be no game and there might be like an insane world um but as long as like yeah your characters are like actually relating to each other it's super fun yeah, they both have their their merits and their excitement but yeah there is something kind of intangible when a improv show works really well it's mm-hmm. like it's almost at times more enjoyable for the performers than the audience yeah, yeah. it's like a, this weird like hidden magic where you're just like we're doing it like yeah. and, but we can't we can't acknowledge we're doing it while we're doing it so we just have to like push down this nerdy excitement everything aligning uh- I also like when it's like bombing, but you know and love and trust everyone on stage. 
Yeah. That's one of my favorite feelings, like in Sunday Company. Mm. Obviously, like just like those things where it's like the sketch has like a 50% likelihood of getting zero laugh. Uh, but before the lights come up, that feeling of being like, but we're all going to fucking do it. This is one of my favorites. Yeah, there is that amazing. It, it is one of those few like performance <laughs> art forms where both the extreme success and the horrible fail can be yeah. just as rewarding. <laughs> like, you're just like, like, do you remember Tugboat Terry? <laughs> Oh my God. But that ran a while, right? Am I crazy? It was awesome. It was yeah. the little tugboat sketch that could. Yeah. It's so stupid. It was the, uh, a bunch of VO, right? A bunch of recorded VO from Elliot of the theme yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a Star Trek, but about like a, a Star Trek towing system. Right. I think. Yeah. Tugboat. It was Tugboat in Space, I think, was the premise. And you were running, you, was it Josh, you and Elliot that were on running the space? <laughs> Something like that. Oh my god. Yeah. I feel like it didn't I feel like it got to see the light of day. Maybe it did get to run, but like in my memory, we pitched it so many times it felt like it was like like a, a staple and it I think I don't know. It it just things like that were just like, wow, that uh that was for us. That yeah. was indulgent and I loved it. Yeah, um, we had uh Sunny Companies run with a lot of uh once a week you pitch a bunch of sketches and a lot of times you kind of were pitching stuff truly just to be like, I know it's not going to make it in the show, but, <laughs> but we're going to love it, aren't we? <laughs> Actually, the most, the best was anytime we'd pitch a sketch where we knew almost it wouldn't get in and our fellow uh, performers would also hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like it wouldn't get in, but everyone would laugh at having the gall to think that that would be a, a, a stage sketch that we would dedicate three minutes of our lives and the audience's lives to right. and cast the people in it force them to be uh, on stage in this, in this horrible give them way more to memorize <laughs> like yeah. yeah the best was those sketches where you didn't have really anything to do but everyone <laughs> had to do all the heavy lifting oh my gosh do you have for yourself over the years a definition of success? The most concrete one that I've had is to be able to have a dog. And then I, and now I have a dog, but I don't feel successful, but I am by my like 20 something standards successful. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's always just moving goalposts, you know? Gotcha. Is it possibly yeah. two, two dogs? Is that the next <laughs> metric? I've been trying for it. Yeah. <laughs> been like looking up pet adoptions and uh rescues in my area for the last like couple of years my boyfriend will just get texts from me with pictures of like decrepit chihuahuas like <laughs> the the weirdest saddest looking <laughs> dogs I can find right. because that'd be so cute <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like uh pass he's like have you well because when I got Tilda it was he was out of town for a long weekend and he came back we weren't living together at the time but like I used his house as my like example of like my living space for the rescue agency for the mm. dogs I wasn't allowed to have dogs at my apartment it was some real asshole moves <laughs> that I was doing but yeah so he came back and was like oh my god she's so small because she's very tiny yeah, um, but yeah so now I've set the precedent of I could just get a dog at any at any point mm. So Anytime. he doesn't go away for long weekends anymore, does he? <laughs> yeah, he's terrified. Like, Me and his, uh, he has a nine-year-old daughter and we conspire about dogs uh, uh, together. 
perfect. So. Get her, get her on board, and then it's all over. Exactly. Truly. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I love that definition of success because it's kind of like you. It's put on you to like get something that brings you such joy. It's not so much based on like monetary or career stuff. It's just a life thing yeah. of like this would make me happy, right? <laughs> you know what? I just realized I do have a current. I do have a current idea of success, but it's okay. so douchey. And That's it's fun. so much stupider than have a dog. I love it. <laughs> but it's, it's something I keep talking to friends about of like, oh yeah, when I have a hot tub, <laughs> so yes. I've looked into it and it's like, a, it's like a really stupid indulgence, but somewhat more attainable than owning a house. Like I'm like, I could, we have a yard at the house we rent. I could. I could get a hot, it would be so stupid, but I could get a hot tub. Would you have to get like a hot tub that you could kind of dismantle and move with you? Or would it be like a gift to the house you're renting? I feel like it would have to be a gift to the house. Or like a really, really weird, very, um, your house has a, you know, much less space in the yard now. Uh, mm. Cause I wanted a cedar hot tub. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't I think we'll do it. I think it'll have to be when I do have a house, if that ever happens. But right. so it's kind of now, now success is wrapped up in too much adult stuff that I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever achieve this hot tub goal without being just the version of myself that got a dog in an apartment I couldn't have dogs in. Right. Yes. You you might have to just bite the bullet and buy a hot tub for this house you're renting. Yeah, and honestly, I think it's worth it. I feel like you just do a, a cost-benefit analysis of like, are we going to be mm -hmm. here for a long time? Yes. And are we going to get a lot of joy out of this hot tub? I don't know. I oh, support it. I'm going to be in there all the time. I'm going to get so many infections from this fucking hot tub. Right. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to get it secondhand. You're going to get a used, <laughs> yes. old cedar hot tub. I support it. I think it's a great way. I love your your things of success are just just big ticket items you want to purchase. <laughs> You've done the research. Like, you know you're going to enjoy it, but I love it. It's like, that's what I it's want. It's like a child's version of success. Like, yeah. truly, there's no tangible. I, I, I just have to choose one thing that's tangible because otherwise, how do you know when to move the goalposts? Good point. Uh, yeah, otherwise it becomes uh, amorphous. It becomes hard to track, but you're like, I own that. That's mine. <laughs> What's the next thing I'm going to buy? I have to accept that this is the version of me that earlier me thought was successful. And now that I'm here, I know it's not true. <laughs> and I need this other stupid thing. Right. You're doing it a lot for, for younger Anne. Just yeah. To, you know, just to pay respect to your younger version. It's like, God, if I have a dog in a hot tub. I think I'm doing quite well. What's your what is I'm, I'm sure you've said it on the podcast I'm so sorry I have what is your version of success and does that change uh probably a hot tub full of dogs <laughs> <laughs> no uh it changes I feel like for me it's always just kind of been like just making a consistent living at purely mm. acting and comedy and writing I guess yeah. I measure success as like how often am I really checking the bill at a restaurant like yeah. like if I'm able to just like yeah like we'll be fine we got this I got this truly as like I I feel like maybe I don't know if you had this experience in my 20s I was like working service industry and uh working like just various 
you know, side jobs and always like rent was always a question of like, is this going to happen? And like, I remember going to like Fred 62 and being like, I'll have a bagel. Hey, could I borrow $3? <laughs> like, just like truly. Uh, and they're just so, like, like just rent. take it. Just take it. Yeah. Like just here, we're going to throw these out at the end of the night, bud. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that's what the twenties feel like. I'm just like, whoo, okay. Yeah. Start again. The clock starts again on the first. You're just yes. like, all right, let's make it happen. <laughs> now, do you have moments in your in your career where you feel you quote unquote made it or hit personal milestones? Yeah, I think by it, it doesn't feel like I made it, I did I I did something creatively incredible, but more like yeah, like what you said of just like feeling like I I can support myself and my stupid life with doing the stuff I like right now the struggle is not putting too much pressure on the work to be brilliant simply because it's like at a price point that I couldn't have imagined in my 20s like now it's like you have to you have to assume like if someone's hiring you to write they want your point of view and that your point of view is good enough and in fact it is what they want and so you have to trust that and that's sometimes hard I think so trying to write like I'm like an indulgent Sunday company member again just being like here's what brings me joy and mm. then be like and that's fine that makes sense that feels like it plays into sometimes for people's like kind of a little bit of the imposter syndrome of like are you sure like that you're paying this much for my brand yeah. and then you have to really just tell yourself like rightfully so they hired you they didn't want to hire you they would have hired someone else so you just go like right this is why i'm hired i have to just kind of stick to my guns trust myself yeah do you know still to what you feel is your best work and your to your highest level but also yeah. cutting yourself that little bit of slack of like i think also with certain writing jobs you go like it's okay if not everything is like gold like yeah they're, they're expecting like there's going to be some wiggle room some adjustments and whatnot and letting yourself kind of off the hook that like perfection is the enemy of the good yeah there's this thing of like I think my boyfriend quoted my my boyfriend quoted a couple of writers that quoted uh the you know Tom Lennon and Ben Grant they yeah. like are like incredible yeah like uh reliable script writers and they're and I'm quoting this through a couple different filters so I might be getting it wrong but just like allowing yourself to like sit down and if you're doing a pass on a script be like my job is to make it 15 percent better like just like understand mm. that like my job isn't to like overhaul like to like completely i don't know just be like yeah this is if i can make it a little better then i'm doing my job which i think is uh maybe a good way to look at it maybe not maybe in two years i'll listen to this and be like that's why it all ended <laughs> you sit in an unfilled hot tub <laughs> can't afford the water yeah full of decrepit chihuahuas <laughs> oh no just yipping at you i i think that's a brilliant way to look at it like 15 percent, almost in a way helps also feel manageable like oh okay yeah. i can i can get this to just 15 percent better not like you need to make this now a hundred percent it's like no it's like okay i just have to raise the bar mm -hmm. a little bit i just have to yeah slightly better What's the, what was the kind of the journey and process eventually to be able to write on Rick and Morty, which is a show we often talked about of like yeah. loving and being it like, was oh my God. truly bizarre. Just that like I had 
been going I at the time was writing a original pilot that was like sci-fi and then I was going through a breakup and like rage wrote the entire thing not rage like mad at the person but mad at like they had a correct point about the writers I know write every day and I was like I'll fucking write every day I'll fucking do like I would you know like just like coming from this like unhealthy place of like I'm gonna prove myself uh but it forced me to like actually get this pilot out that I thought was like just sort of like this unattainable thing to do mm-hmm. and then I like sent it to a bunch of friends to get notes and then rewrote it and then got notes and then rewrote it and was going through that and then meanwhile my friend Vanessa uh Ragland uh she runs a theater called the Dynasty Typewriter and it's incredible mm-hmm. um and they were doing Harmontown there and the producer Steve Levy who is incredible he's like one of my buds now he's a very cool and supportive guy but he asked her like do you know any writers who have like funny sci-fi scripts right now um and uh she was like oh yeah my friend Anne sent it to them and like let me know like hey I, I hope it's okay the Rick and Morty guys asked if I know any sci-fi people and I send them your script and I was like ah, yeah fun pipe dream babe love that this is something I'll remember in five years that could have happened and then they and then I got an interview and was just basically like oh my god this is so cool like just like geeking out with them like oh it's cool to meet other nerds oh wow like just like yeah and then there's like a part of the process where it was write some cold opens and then they were going to have justin and dan read them blind and choose from that which is an interesting process and i did that and then yeah i guess they didn't hate my fucking (laughs) cold opens and and then and then yeah then i then i got a staff job which was insane it was truly just like a luck of time and place and happened to be prepared with the thing but like also mostly luck well i'll push back i don't say mostly luck i think you're quite good at what you do um (laughs) well there's like a lot of amazing things like i think you're you know have a nice a bit of gratitude and whatnot but just realizing like all these things kind of aligning well is really really nice like it shows a couple things write be prepared do your work (laughs) and then it's really going to be about all these connections and people you meet and so don't be an asshole along the way because if you were (laughs) a friend like Vanessa might have been like oh well I don't really know Anne that well but she knew you well enough to be like oh this person would be great for this and send it along (laughs) like right there's all these positive elements and then so cool so exciting yeah it felt very like oh, this is, yeah, this is wild because it's what I want to do. So how is this happening? And then it's continued to feel like that. So I'm waiting for the other shoe, which will eventually drop, but also just trying to remember like, you know, be, be don't be a fucking asshole mm-hmm. and, and work hard. And that's, you know, if you're coming from that place, you're probably fine. Yeah, I guess in, in the vein of kind of the other shoe, because that's just the nature of the business at times where there's like these moments where you're like, oh, I'm working, I'm doing what I love. And then there's stretches yeah. where you're like, I do, I will I work again? How, yeah. how do you feel like you, you handle those or do you have any like <laughs> mantras or anything you do in the downtimes as well as the ups? Yeah, I, well, the worst pitch I ever did uh was for I just like this is like an example of like basically like something that like 
in Sunday comedy, like if you put up a sketch and it fucking bombed, but afterwards you were like, I bombed on my terms. Was that like, I went in to pitch this Eminem's movie uh, that was supposed to be a, like, you know, the Eminem's campaigns are always very meta uh, and very like, you know, Red wants to be a big movie star. Yellow cares about he's nice. He cares about the craft. He wants to be good, you know, like that kind of shit. Uh, but so I, you know, I went away. I, they, they told me kind of what they were looking for. I went, spent a few weeks drafting this very convoluted, pretentious John Le Carré style, like thriller that the M&Ms would be in. And then like pitched it to them of like, okay, so first of all, what if the marketing campaign has no mention of the M&Ms at all? And it's marketed as a Paul Dano film called Coventry. And it looks really indie and very serious. And then like leading up to the release of Coventry, there's a tie-in campaign with the M&Ms where it's like an M&Ms commercial you see before a movie. And it's the M&Ms like on set for this tie-in commercial. Um, and Red is annoyed that he's not number one, that D Paul Dano is number one on the list. And then you know, like that kind of a thing. And so uh, we'll put that out into the world as well, but mostly it's just this film. And then people who are going to see Coventry that before the movie starts, that ad starts, and then it keeps going for like, it's them on the set and they like leave because they're pissed off. And it like, the camera gets like Paul Thomas Anderson, like shaky and like follows them outside. And they're like, firing their agents and like pissed off at the situation and going down a spiral and they like you know later that night are like drunk like just like you know what fuck everyone whatever like we don't have to fucking you know they go through this whole thing and then they're contacted by they go through like a sorry i'm doing a terrible job of this pitch but it's just that they have like basically a personal reckoning about their ideas of fame and in a montage like kind of like re define their lives and kind of get more connected to each other and themselves and whatever but then they get a call from their agents that's like a really uh rich mysterious film that has so many ndas wants you guys to be the stars and they're like yeah fuck that fuck growth whatever we're back to our, our other selves and they like uh negotiate it's and basically it's that like some like you know rich russian oligarch is funding what it seems to them like a cinema verite action movie, but is actually a uh, a way for them to assassinate and spy. And, you know, it's just like this sort of like intrigue thing that they Eminem's start to start to get wise to as they're like, wow, these stunts are like really good. That blood looks real. Did you know his arm was going to come off? Like stuff like that. Um, and so I'm pitching this. I pitched through like the end of it, the like, you know, them having to actually act because otherwise they're going to be killed and then them like whatever learning lessons getting whatever i pitched this whole stupid thing and then it, this is over the phone <laughs> and um the producer who i'd originally met with was like uh yeah well that's interesting we were thinking that in the second act the m&ms are trying to avoid getting put on an ice cream sandwich. <laughs> and I was like, right, mm. you did say that in our initial meeting. And now I remember that uh, could be interesting too. <laughs>
But, okay, that's uh, a different different approach. That um, that you said that I entirely forgot and then overcommitted to this other area. It was so that I don't know if this is answering your question. Maybe I just really wanted to say the stupid Eminem story. Uh, I love it. I'm. I would love to see the people's faces who go to that movie if this got made <laughs> and just like, just see them all realize what they've just bought a ticket for. It's like a Trojan <laughs> horse of capitalism. Like it's like a, it's yeah. a fuck you to everything, and it's so like it could never be made. But honestly, part of me was working from the same center that I'm still working from so that's actually maybe bad but that if they want my point of view they want my point of view I think that's absolutely right I would have loved if you finished that whole pitch and then you heard on the other line like okay we're gonna now patch everybody in (laughs) (laughs) saying it to the like intern yes I mean I truly have the suaveness of someone who would do that so I believe it well, yeah, I love I love that pitch, and I think I agree completely. Like, pitch the movie you'd want to make and write and be a part. Like, because who knows? You could have easily tried to be like, well, it's Eminem's. What do they want? And then still had a weird pitch where they're like, okay, no. Like, then you yeah. leave being like, why did I pitch that? Like, I'd rather pitch something I'd want to actually have to work on. That's kind of where I was coming from. But then afterwards, I was like, the the gall, the gall to be like, it's no, there's we don't even talk about Eminem's was. Like, huh, don't, there's something to learn from this, right. I suppose. Uh, where's your head at with the idea of being rich and famous? I don't think, I don't think or want to ever be famous. I don't, I can't see that. I, I, cause I'm more writing now than um, acting. So it's definitely like, if I were to be famous, it would be to like a really weird person. Like who knows by sight? writers no that's weird that's you know that can be very scary (laughs) yeah i would i would would be flattered but also like what the fuck what Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh but rich i would love to be rich i would love to have because like uh my first weeks at rick and morty like my car got repossessed uh because of how bad my financial situation was but i felt like a golden god because i could afford to go to the impound and like get it back so I was like I'm fucking rich meanwhile one of my co-workers had come in with like a complaint that like they'd fallen asleep in their Tesla and it drove them to their wrong mansion so they had to get drunk later that night at a different dive bar than they planned to and I was just like we're at the same table this is insane so as for like rich and famous I'm like way richer than I ever thought I would be in my 20s right now simply Mm -hmm. being able to survive and then yeah, my hot tub, my hot tub goal, that that that's the definition of rich for me now that yeah. I want because I would like a hot tub. But also it's so indulgent and insane and materialistic and stupid. Um and then famous, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think that's I don't want that and I also don't think that'll come to pass cuz I'm like not looking to act <laughs> anymore gotcha. really. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want people being like, that's the Eminem movie lady. <laughs> Honestly, that would be fine. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Rich for You will then eventually having a house with a built-in hot tub, like in ground. Like one of those yeah, rooms that you walk would in be the really... floor is a hot tub. That's, that's the next shit. level. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. At that point, I'm like, I don't know what the next milestone could be. 
Anne, 10 years from now, comes back to today. What advice do you think your future self would give you? Stop telling the Eminem story. You probably aren't allowed to. <laughs> you probably aren't allowed to say, because I don't, this was a long, this was like maybe four years ago. So I'm assuming if they were going to make the movie, they would have made the movie. But like, also like, yeah, you gave away a key detail of the movie they wanted to make. Because this is the ice cream sundae thing. You're Be smarter. And maybe even, you maybe you even fucked up that whole podcast, you know, like that being said, uh, I think 10 years ago, Anne would probably just be like, get over yourself. No one from M&M's is listening to this fucking mm. podcast. And if they were, they're not, this isn't worth getting legal involved. Like at most they would just be like, take it down. And honestly, that would be pretty funny, you know, like just like stop sweating the, stupid little shit stop thinking you're the main character in the story be more of a be like just like i like realize that everyone's super weird and just thinking about themselves all the time too so mm -hmm. stop being such a fucking narcissist i guess okay is maybe i guess she'd yell at me <laughs> <laughs> she'd really she'd really lay into you she'd be like you piece of shit <laughs> what is wrong with you I love it if she comes back. She's like in a prison jumpsuit. And comes like, stop, stop telling the Eminem story. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth it. It's, it's not so worth it. <laughs> this is not, this, it's also not a good story to tell in prison. No one's impressed. Yeah. No one cares. <laughs> no one gives a shit. It's also just like genuinely not a good story. There's like really no beginning, middle and end. And it takes up like on its way too much time. <laughs> like, <laughs> it really peters out. <laughs> <laughs> you you believe in it until like you're like a quarter of the way in and it shows <laughs> um Gosh. yeah i think probably would just be you know because sometimes do you ever do you ever read those like puff little like buzzfeed pieces of like the top things that people on their deathbeds say they wish they would have done i've seen those but i don't i don't read them as often but yeah i know what you mean it's like always spend more time with loved ones <laughs> it's always that always, and always. and and like stop worrying about money start spending more quality time with people so i'd imagine also if i'm 10 years closer to death i'm 10 years more believing those things are important which right. are I do believe they're important. I also want a, a hot tub, but those things are important because, yeah. you know, our parents are getting older. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Yeah. We're, you know, everything, the climate, the pandemic, the- The list goes on. There's a lot of things where it's like, yeah, it'd be cool to be around in 10 years, right? Yeah. It'd probably be fine if you can so. afford the water to drink. Yeah, or just drink your hot tub water. Uh-huh. Your soupy hot tub. Or your own pit. Yes. <laughs> mm, the future. I'm not <laughs> one of those. <laughs> Sorry. Piss cola. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a whole online community of people who drink their own piss and are really proud of it. That's not something to be proud of, I guess. No, but they're so proud of it. They're like, I'm on my piss drinking journey. I just started drinking my own urine and I'm going through a lot of detoxification side. I, this is a rabbit hole I went down yesterday. So that's why it's bleeding through to okay, here. Okay, great. I love it. I'm glad I caught you then. Uh, <laughs> so wait, is it just truly they are just drinking their piss or are they doing some filtration to it? Is it trying to prove think, like you can keep it? I think from the 
from the sense I got from this one guy who is a friend, a friend was like, a, a high, when I was in high school, there was this kid that was super normal. And now they've gone off the deep end. And I was like, really? Send me links. And so they did. And now I watched this guy's things. And I, he was talking about, he used the term detoxification symptoms, which I think is supposed to refer to what happens to your body when you start drinking piss. But I think that it's because you've started drinking piss. But I think that people who start drinking piss think it's because they're detoxifying from having not drank piss. And then the symptoms come up and you have to start, you have to keep drinking your piss to get through the symptoms. And I think they also start taking supplements with like different amounts of like niacin and, and iodine or whatever. They take, they start, they start making the piss more drinkable and also drinking the piss so that their body can start to get used to drinking the piss. And then they say that's when the real magic kicks in. And that's when you start YouTubing about drinking the piss. That is fascinating. And also, like, just from a logical, anatomical science aspect, it's sort of like, you're not replenishing your body with water. <laughs> Period. I know. I feel like they would say they are. They'd be like, we're, we're, we're replenishing you with nature's best water and that's crafted for our own body by our own body it's the same it's like i believe when you like get rid of your waste pee and excrement it's the stuff your body no longer needs or doesn't or can't yeah. use so to put that back in your body would sort of be like try again body the body yeah. is going <laughs> yeah. once again we don't need this right we had notes on what you put in originally right. we took what and we these could are the use. notes yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't even, I don't remember how I brought that up and I'm very sorry. It's okay. I am here for it. I don't know if my <laughs> listeners will be, but uh, I, I am. Speaking of, uh, I guess, getting a, a glass of a glass of piss, it's the time for the insult comic <laughs> to come in. <laughs> to, to give you your medicine. Um, so uh, here we are. Let's bring out a uh, famed insult comic, Raz Clifford. Come on out, Raz. <laughs> Oh, here we go. It's Anne Lane. Just the type of person I love to roast. Oh, okay. For the listeners, Anne is the answer to the question of what if garbage was a person? <laughs> Anne loves to be kooky and weird, and she does this in lieu of a personality. <laughs> you heard that Eminem story if you didn't fall asleep. I've gotten to see Anne perform on stage, and when she's up there, I can tell you one thing. The boos are deafening. <laughs> it is amazing you can barely hear her now and when you were younger did you always know you wanted to be terrible <laughs> was this just like a early on you're like that's the goal and you made it i'm sure just from what i heard from the piss story and the M &M, <laughs> i'm guessing you're still a fan of that wacky tobacco that sweet lady weed <laughs> is that true yeah. Yeah, well, we'd like you to stop doing comedy. <laughs> there you go. That's the Raz, you dumb idiot. Look, inevitably when our paths cross, first off, I probably won't recognize you. I don't acknowledge writers. But do me a favor and just trip yourself, okay? So I don't have to put my leg out to do it. All right. Bye, you dummy. Bye, bye Raz. Yeah, um, he got me. He got you. He got you in that classic <laughs> fashion. <laughs> oh my God. 
I've missed Raz. I know. Good to see him. Now, if not, uh, like acting and writing, what uh, career do you think you would be pursuing or doing? My backup career slash dream of like when I want to just burn everything down is like move to the Pacific Northwest and have a dog ranch, which I don't know what that quite means, except that like probably it's like some kind of like farmhouse that me and like a few of my close friends live on and we like work on dog ranch together it's full of decrepit chihuahuas that we're probably like rehoming and like making sure they're comfy and like mostly I do I deal with the dogs and then my friend Stephanie is kind of like having fun like curating the house and then Alex can live in the shed and sort of that's sort of the plan is dog ranch I yeah. don't know how this thing makes money or what it, what it does. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> it's just, I guess it's, in a way, it sounds a little bit like a, uh, like, dog daycare kind of vibe. Like, yeah. it's just, like, an open space, very, like, kind of granola outside uh-huh. of, like, the big city where people can bring their pets to run around and enjoy. Yeah. It's like a, a dog park that's, like, immaculately curated and like taken care of by like real dog freaks but yeah if I had to actually make money I mean like dog ranch truly is the only thing I thought about as a yeah would there be a hot tub on the ranch oh yeah eventually yeah (laughs) bring your dog soak in our hot tub I still love the idea of like it's run by like real like dog freaks but in like a like Truly, like a hills have eyes. Like, come <laughs> just like... Have you seen the music video for Dog Police? I have not. Oh, it's a song from I want to say the eighties. It's got dog people in it. I would. It's a good Google search. Dog Police music video. Okay, Dog Police music video. I will look that up. Listeners, please look it up. <laughs> Check out Dog Police. Um, uh, or if you have been, forgive me, but inevitably when you're a guest on a late night show, what's a story you'd love to tell? Preferably not the Eminem one again. We already got that. I think it would be when I pitched for Eminem's. Yes, um... okay, good. Tell me, <laughs> tell me more. Because <laughs> I feel like your first version left out a lot of details. Uh... It really did because my memory is so shot from weed that I'm like, yeah, and then something happened. Anyway, it was it was a lot. Uh yeah what would be my story honestly the story would probably just be like when my mom asked a group of people like friend like at thanksgiving like my aunt and my sister and my mom and i went to like grab drinks and she was like what do you guys do when you're stressed and my aunt was like i'll go on a jog and like talk to a friend and my sister was like i watched the office and i was like i listened to black black box tape recordings of plane crashes and then my and then later because I was like if we're gonna fucking talk about this here's we're gonna fucking talk about it and then later my mom came up to me and was like I do that too (laughs) wow oh my gosh (laughs) but she didn't have the balls to say in front of aunt Dana (laughs) come on and is Dana her sister no her brother's Uh, wife and dana's great dana's like honestly i get why you wouldn't say in front of dana if you're a she's great she's like one of the like most like well-balanced kindest most grounded people uh so yeah i get it but mom didn't answer at all i was like what about you mom she's like oh let's talk about something else yeah yeah well i feel like you gave her the ultimate end of like oh my god i do that too and then you guys have all like laughed and enjoyed like the similarities of mother 
And then it would have been great if your sister was like, me too. And then it becomes right? like clearly like something that's just in your DNA. There's like a weird genetic pull towards the like, just like fascination, like train wreck listening. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I don't know if that's the story I tell, but that's the first thing that I thought of as the story I would tell. I so, love it. It's yeah. such an interesting thing of, it's also feel like such a mom thing to pose a question and then not answer those. <laughs> yes. Like, why did you ask most people ask a question because ultimately they want to come back around to get the, them to answer it's it's like a very sweet mom thing of like i want you guys to have a structured talk and i want to watch it like here's the playground go have fun i'm gonna sit on the sidelines like don't worry about me like she like literally like glances in her pocket the piece of paper says what do they do when they're stressed <laughs> just like, <laughs> like just conversation starters like, what's Aww. your what was your favorite meal you ever had <laughs> i mean truly it's like so sweet and i and i am always i'm always thankful for like you know someone throwing out those awkward things and then everyone else razzes them of like oh okay my turn huh but like everyone's grateful for it like you know we all want we all want structure yeah we all want someone who can just keep that conversation moving and then you start mm -hmm. to answer and you go oh this was an interesting question oh okay yeah. i learned more about you yeah exactly i love it that's so great thanks so much for hopping on and chatting with me oh this yeah thanks for having me uh, there, this was a delight are there any things uh coming down the pipeline for the listener to be uh watching out for i mean hopefully i feel like <laughs> nothing that i can like say because it's all stuff that like probably isn't gonna happen at the moment and definitely wouldn't happen if i made it reality by saying it you know okay. so absolutely not i think if you look up piss uh drinking piss online you're gonna get a lot of weird targeted ads but also a lot of weird rants where people tell on themselves for a lot of shit that they're not even processing literally and then also dog police music video and and weed yeah great those are, so those are what i want to wrap three things to check out also <laughs> i mean she's being shy but let's be honest this eminem movie's happening <laughs> keep your eyes open for this Eminem movie <laughs> don't get tricked it's not a Paul Dano vehicle okay so yeah yeah oh well I'm doing an indie movie called Coventry it's actually really exciting oh, um awesome. Paul Dano's in it yeah right. it's um check it out yeah it's gonna be fun yeah I would love it if someone listening to this now forever had a slight fear of going to see any Paul Dano movie <laughs> like I just can't trust it I can't um, what if it's Eminem's I just can't do it uh, thanks again for hopping on and being a guest. Thanks listeners for listening. I'm your host, Daniel Acker, and this has been Almost Almost Famous.